Hello and welcome to the Numlock Podcast. I am Walt Hickey. Once a month, the Sunday edition of Numlock News is uh, released as a podcast, and that's what you're listening to right now. Uh, this week, joining me is Joanna Piacenza from Morning Consult. Morning Consult just came out with this really cool report going into perceptions around travel uh, in the United States, whether it's hotels, airlines, cruises. And uh, there's a whole lot of material in there that we just kind of wanted to dive into and talk about. Uh, Joanna is a regular fixture in Numlock. She, uh, at, at the very least, comes every year at the end of the year to talk about the year in review, based based on what the good people at Morning Consult have managed to poll, but is also just a regular presence uh, through all their really cool polling in uh, in the newsletter. So um, it's going to be a really fun interview. I hope you like it. Hello, Joanna. I am so excited to have you back. Joanna Piacenza, you are now, you are the head of something at, at, at Morning Consult. Is that right now? I'm the head of something, Walt. It's a pretty big deal that you're talking to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I lead industry intelligence at Morning Consult. So I lead a team of analysts who take Morning Consult data and turn it into insights. Um, so very similar to, to previous positions I've had at Morning Consult, you know, playing with data, um, but, you know, a little bit more profesh. Wonderful. Yeah, no. Uh, and you are just, just this past week, you published the current state of consumer trust in travel and hospitality brands. It is a super deep look at the travel industry at a time that I think a lot of people are super interested in what's happening with the travel industry. Uh, just kind of want to explain like why you kind of wanted to do this topic first and, and, and kind of what drew you to the state of travel in the States. Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of nailed it on the head there. It's, a travel season like no other, right? This summer travel season, um, people are out, people are ready um, to vacation. Um, but at the same time, you know, I don't think that we've really paused and thought about the anxiety <laughs> that encompasses um, a lot of consumers right now. Um, and because of that, we wanted to go into the field and figure out consumer trust. Um, because a lot of that uh, anxiety is going to be in the hands of travel brands as people, you know, get on trains, uh, rent their RVs, get on airplanes. And one small misstep um, from a, an airline or a travel brand could be pretty bad for their brand reputation. So we wanted to figure out how consumer trust is built, how it's broken, what the current state of it is after, you know, as we're in the midst of a global pandemic. Um, so it's just, it's a continuation of a lot of the kind of trust work that we've been doing at the company. Yeah. And again, these results are really remarkable because, you know, you, you have a lot of the net trust for airlines and hotels, casinos and resorts. You have that going back to at least 2018. Uh, you know, over the course of 2018, 2019, it was rather flat. Um, you know, people tended to trust things a little bit. Uh, at the start of the pandemic, Back in March, you saw kind of a decline in trust for these institutions. But then last summer, you saw something really remarkable happen where, like, they not only got it back, but they got it back even more. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you observed and kind of the broader contours of, of how people feel about travel? Yeah, this is one of the data sets that I pulled and then checked it and <laughs> double checked it. You know what I mean? You're like, this yeah. has to be wrong. There has to be something here. Um, but if you look at this trend line um, on this report at morningconsult.com, you'll see 
that when the pandemic starts, it starts to tick down. Consumer trust for the airline industry and the hotel industry just starts kind of this slippery slope. And it doesn't really stop until summer of last year. And then, as you said, it rebounds and it rebounds pretty dramatically. Um, I would kind of, the thing that I would kind of ascribe that to is all the policies that a lot of airlines and hotels really started to embrace and implement implement last year, last summer. I'm talking about uh, blocking out the middle seat. I'm talking about employees wearing masks and requiring customers to do the same, putting up signage about sanitizing high touch areas. These policies became so much a part of our experience with these brands, and they really started to build back that trust in ways that didn't exist before the pandemic. Um, So it was very odd to see as collectively as a whole, this entire industry kind of exiting 15 months of this with higher trust. But, you know, that's what our data says. It's so like, it's interesting to me because again, like it was a ton of work. It was a ton of money. It was a ton of stress and it was an effort. And it is just really interesting to see, like, listen, on, on a level, it was really worth it. Like, see, even setting aside the positive uh, public health benefits, but like the, being that, like, it's almost like the old Tylenol story, right? Where like, you know, there was an issue with Tylenol, they ripped it off the shelves, they did everything, and then they exited the process even more trustworthy. Like, okay, I want a podcast on that. I want to listen <laughs> to. <laughs> That's really interesting. I love that. I've not heard that story before. But yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, this is this is just proof that a lot of travel brands were really mindful during this time. Um, listening to their consumers, trying to be extra careful, um, taking it step by step, and it paid off. Um, One of the things that I'm going to keep my eye on is now that things are returning to something that resembles, you know, close to normal. um, Where does that consumer trust go? And how is it correlated with some of these policies being loosened? Um, we all know that the middle seat being blocked off is is no longer a thing, which I think we're all really <laughs> upset about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, will will hotels keep putting up signs, kind of marketing that they have um, that they regularly sanitize high touch surfaces? I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon, and I don't think it should. I think it still um, really builds consumer trust. Yeah. So like one thing that I really love about this is that you have, uh, you, you basically investigate what are the point points of pain that cause people to lose trust in institutions. I really like this because like, it seems like there's just in travel specifically more so even than dining, there's just such an aversion to bad experiences. There's like a reason that like TripAdvisor is so popular and that is that there's just <laughs> yeah. a huge, like people really don't want to have a bad vacation, you know, mm-hmm. in a way that maybe yeah. sometimes people are willing to have a rough meal. But like, mm-hmm. I just really enjoyed how you were able to actually, so you have a chart in here that's just the share of US adults who say that they would stop purchasing from a travel and hospitality brand if it did one of the following things. And I would mm-hmm. love to hear just kind of, you know, from your findings, how, like, what are some of the the, the breaking points for people? Yeah, this is a category I called trust trust benders, <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> which is actually a phrase I did not get okayed um, by anyone <laughs> above me. So we're just going to put a trademark after that. Yes. Official um, trust benders by morning consult <laughs> TM. <laughs> like... <laughs> oh, well, I need more supervision. Um, so, <laughs> so trust benders and trust breakers. So this, the trust benders are the things that would impact trust among consumers but wouldn't necessarily cause a consumer to walk away and never come back. 
So among the biggest trust spenders, this is the share of U.S. adults who said they would stop purchasing from a brand if it did the following, mistreating luggage or mm. possessions, having surprise fees. We've all, we've all yeah. experienced that. Double times. Um, <laughs> yeah. Bad customer service, um, not following clear safety precautions, um, data breaches, not being reliable, and not regularly cleaning or sanitizing. And I want to kind of pause on that last one because I think that it seems natural for us to have that policy be within the top 10, be within the top five, but it, it, it really isn't. Cleaning and sanitizing, although an incredibly important policy that every consumer facing brand should follow, was not necessarily as important pre-pandemic. Um, so the thing that I take away from this um, is that the pandemic is still very much top of mind for consumers. And these travel and hospitality brands, as they're welcoming folks into their hotel lobbies, into their airplanes, one of the things that they may not realize is that this is the first time these people are entering these spaces after months. And yeah. so what are the things that you can do to make them feel really, really safe? And that is regularly cleaning or sanitizing. Um, the other thing that was really interesting about this this trust benders list, and I think it's something you and I have talked about before, is that uh, getting political or taking a political or social stance that a consumer disagrees with, that was pretty low on the list. Yeah. And there's been a lot of ink spilled about brands taking stances and what you should do and how you should navigate that. And I am guilty of spilling some of that ink. <laughs> um, I've, I've, I've written a lot about brands getting political, but I think it's a really good gut check to notice that this is at the bottom of the list. There are, you know, the normal uh, keeping me safe, keeping my data safe, being a reliable brand that are hitting the top of the list that I think that, that these travel brands should really be paying attention to more. Yeah, I again like we've definitely talked about this a couple times because it is just so interesting because there is just so much consternation about that and I think that people psych themselves out over like is my corporation saying you're doing the right thing but like mm -hmm. realistically at the end of the day and this data really bears it out is just like people mm -hmm. want you know like there's a baseline expectation of customer service and a lot of the rest of it is just kind of like aesthetic. I even thought it was remarkable that like you know they had data breach you you asked about data breaches on here I know that that's a little mm -hmm. bit like timely I suppose and like oh, yeah. like people are vastly more like ticked off if the, if you have a data breach and like either data is unaffected than they are. If you, if they take a particular stance on a social issue that you're not cool with. Right. Yeah. I'm really happy that that kind of different phrasing made the list that there was a data breach and your data was impacted. And we also asked the question, there was a data breach and your data was not impacted. The latter still bends trust at a higher rate. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that's, that's, it's, you know, thank goodness your data was not compromised, but what that does is it tells you that this brand that, you know, you had your trust in before, um, you know, might not, might not be able to protect, you know, some of your most valuable assets. Yeah. The thing that was really, that so, you know, this is, this is all very cool in the context of it, but what really hammers at home is that you actually asked another set of questions, which is basically like, if a company goofs up, like how, like how would how do you then act and like you found that like 
88% of people will either like only use competitor services or r- use more competitor services than that. So like, it seems like with, within travel and hospitality that there's just so much kind of competition that like, if United burned me once, I will never fly United again. If, if I had a rough time in a Marriott, then, th- then there are plenty of other options. To- and so it seems like, you know, these companies were really, really assiduous over the course of the pandemic. And I think because they, they're aware of the fact that like, if they lose a customer, they lose a customer real hard. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's a great kind of data point for a lot of travel brands to just meditate on a bit. Um, it's a very competitive space, especially the airline industry. Um, and so if you lose a customer, especially if you lose a business traveler, which is just a whole nother part of this report, um, you might not see them again. The one kind of caveat that I want to add to this, and this is also a piece that I did years ago, is that for the most part, consumers have pretty short memories. Now, I did a piece about, I mean, we do. Like, I, I, so forgot, good, I forgot why I'm here. Why am I here? <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, so I did a piece a few years ago um, about a United scandal when they dragged a, a passenger off of, the, um, off of their flight and that right. man got injured. We ended up going into the field for a few weeks, I think maybe even a few months after the incident and consistently ask, okay, here's a United ticket. It's $200. Here's an American ticket. It's $300. Some combination of that, United versus a competitor. And each week what we saw is that uh, at first everyone was choosing the competitor, right? No one wanted to choose United. United was dominating the headlines in a very negative way. Um, but as the weeks went on, as the months went on, suddenly those proportions shifted and <laughs> consumers were going for the cheaper flight. We also did something with direct and non-direct flights where the the ticket was actually cheaper on United and it was direct. Anyway, <laughs> it was a whole, it was, it was such a cool polling project. Um, but that's all to say that even if a brand gets negative buzz in the headlines, if, if you're seeing something negative written about that brand, consumers are going to react to it. But for the most part, they do have short memories. Six months after that incident, our, our data was essentially back to normal. <laughs> um, so this is, I want to kind of caveat this again by saying this is something that people are reading about, right? Rather than experiencing. Like if I'm at the front desk of a hotel and I have a negative experience with with whoever's behind it, some concierge, that's going to stay with me in a way that reading about how United mishandled an incident, um, it, it just impacts impacts folks differently. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think that that is also leads kind of really well to to the other one, which is just like you, you when you kind of pulled different brands and different sectors of it, I thought it was really remarkable how like the cruise business to me is just super interesting because Ooh, you have man. these like very loyal folks. You have these people who are absolutely not. And then you have these folks in the middle that, that kind of seem to be who folks are competing for. But I, I just, I'm really interested in hearing a little bit about how the math around that is different than hotels and resorts, which are fairly highly acclaimed and airlines, which, you know, people come and go, but uh, you know, cruises just seem to be a very fundamentally different beast within the larger realm of travel. And I'd love to hear about what you found on that. Well, I think let, let's speak from like a, a micro and a macro level, right? So so think back to like March 2020. I'm going to make you time travel back yes. through the last, March the last 15, 16 months. The biggest story um, that will happen in March 2020 is obviously the the, the Super Tuesday. Uh, that, is, that is where my head's at. And, um... Oh, right. Political editor. <laughs> 
I mean, gosh, can you can you believe that that was happening too? I can't believe that this happened. Yeah. No, it's like really, it's, it was a lot. But um, yeah, so you've unkindly asked me to transport my brain back to March 2020. Uh, but the cruises yeah. is, 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 I guess, what you're getting at is just like I remember like that was just like oh, there's a new disease on cruise ships. That's not great. Yes, um, cruise ships had a very very early and public presence with the pandemic. Um, I think it was Diamond Princess um, that was off the coast of Southeast Asia in wow. which there was hundreds of cases. Remember? See? Transported. There was a boat that they just wouldn't let show up anywhere, right? Yeah. Yes, wow. exactly. So, and, and I think we forget that, but maybe it's still kind of like in our subconscious. It totally because, did. <laughs> yeah. Because of that, because of that connection with this virus that has upended the entire world, cruises have a very, very long runway to recovery, much longer than airlines, much longer than hotels, um, because of kind of that connection. The other thing to keep in mind is that cruises overall, similar to airlines, require a little bit more consumer trust simply because of the nature of the business, right? You're um, in a vessel (laughs) in the ocean (laughs) um, for a long period of time. You have to put your trust in a specific brand, in a specific staff and team in a way that you don't necessarily have to if you're checking into a Best Western or taking a two-hour flight. Airlines, it's a little bit different as well, but cruises, there's there's a bigger commitment there personally um, and so I think that that really impacts consumer trust. If you if you look at the report, throughout the report, cruises have a higher standard when it comes to consumers. And I think because I think that's largely because of the pandemic and just the nature of the business. Yeah, uh, I think that's a really good point. Again, like you're right. It's like you know, it's a hotel that you are unable to physically exit, and so it's got yes. a lot of like. It's got a lot to live up to. Yeah, it's a great. (laughs) Come on, the Disney Cruises is a hotel that you're physically incapable of exiting. Yeah, no, Um, we'll sell out the first night. (laughs) Oh boy, Um, you know you uh, you did mention business travel a little bit earlier. You have some really good stuff on that in this report. You mentioned that about 51 percent of business travelers before the pandemic were traveling at least four times a year. That is now down to 31 percent. Uh, and, and, you know, 34% of the, about a third of business travelers have just been sidelined the entire pandemic. You know, you can see it in any kind of city urban core. I know like I was in Midtown recently and it is a bit of a ghost town in large part because there's the business travel is just completely undercut. What's Mm -hmm. going on with that? And and you, you seem to have some signs of a positive, you know, development on that front. Yeah. So you already noted kind of the 20 point difference between um, people who said they had traveled at least four times a year. Business travel, you know, all but came to a halt, um, especially um, on airlines. I know that a lot of folks were still uh, traveling via car for business. But looking ahead, 58 percent of business travelers said they plan to travel for business this summer. And then 62 percent said the same of fall and winter. Now, this is a really important demographic for the travel industry and anyone listening and in the travel industry knows this and is is probably getting excited about that number and they should be for a lot of reasons. Business travelers make up uh, you know, depending on the the mode of transportation anywhere from 10 to 15% of travelers, but they make up a majority of revenue. They are 
not spending their own money. They are spending the money of corporations. <laughs> they can buy that $25 burger at the airport. I never could, um, but they can. They got those per diems. Um, right? God, I love a good per diem. Um, <laughs> but they, they make up a majority of the revenue within the travel industry. They're so important and key. And one of the things that's kind of also sprinkled throughout the survey is, you know, the survey overall looks at U.S. adults, um, but within it, we're able to cut out business travelers. So how important is trust when business travelers are making decisions? It's more important among business travels, travelers than compared to U.S. adults. Um, are business travelers more likely to stray from a brand if that trust is broken? Yes. So everything is a little bit more capitalized and saturated with business travelers. They spend more, but if you break their trust, they're more willing to walk away. So it's wonderful that they're coming back. It's great news for the industry that a majority of them will be traveling this summer, fall, and winter. But it is also something that should keep hotels and airlines on their toes. You are you know, welcoming back a demographic that is much more picky and fickle when it comes to their experience with your brand. Well, that's, I mean, that, that is just kind of really good news because again, like you, the balance sheets just for a lot of these companies just simply don't work unless you have business travel built in. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. So, uh, so again, uh, this is, uh, you know, one kind of big recent report. You guys have been very, very busy at Morning Consult. As I understand it, you yes. are now a mythical creature known as a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> We are. Thank you very much. Um, we're all um, we're all going to go get unicorn tattoos. Um, Amazing. It's not. I'm going to throw some time in people's Google Cal. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Everyone's going to be so upset. I said that. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so guaranteed. Lock it in. Uh, bet on it. Unicorn tattoos. Uh, so what what have you got cooking this summer? I know that again, like you guys have been able to have a lot of ongoing trackers of the pandemic and kind of attitudes toward it. Some of the most enc- encouraging kind of news has been, I think, from y'all because. You know, you do the nice thing about polling is like you do kind of get a sense for where things are going in a way. And, and you know, mm-hmm. it's been really encouraging kind of in the back nine of the pandemic in the United States, at least. It, it has been kind of a good indication of comfort levels, you know, somewhat kind of either getting back to normal or, you know, far less disparities within the American populace, I guess. Yeah. So, it, yeah, we're going to have a busy summer. <laughs> I don't, uh, no traveling. Um, but we, yeah, we have a busy summer, um, at our team and, and within our company, we've been tracking kind of this return to normal data, as you mentioned, uh, since early 2020. Um, I don't know the exact date, but I do know when we hit, um, when we hit one year of tracking, um, I ended up sending our, our lead writer, uh, some flowers just to thank her because every (laughs) week, every week she had to look at, um, consumer, uh, comfort, which, you know, in the middle of a pandemic can be a, can be a a rough thing, but we have, uh, I think at least 15 months of data, um, on consumer comfort levels in going to the movies, dining out, um, going to a shopping mall, uh, going to a sporting event, Ooh. Olympics. Um, so we update those every week and we're looking to this summer do some deeper dives, you know, into that share of people who is who are not yet comfortable doing stuff. And that's that's kind of an, an interesting and exciting change for us because we've just reached the point where a majority of people feel comfortable doing almost all of our leisure activities listed. And so now we're left with this 25%, 32% who don't feel comfortable going to the movies, 
who don't yet feel comfortable going to a museum. Who are they? Um, why don't they feel comfortable? Are they vaccinated? We want to learn more about that group, and we've got we've got a lot of data to go through. So, look for more stories on that. Um, in addition, ahead of back to school season, we'll be releasing a report on commerce. So. I went a little crazy with my online shopping the last year. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if you did too. <laughs> I have a lot of possessions that I didn't necessarily think I would be the kind of guy who has, like a vegetable slicing mandolin, <laughs> but apparently uh, somebody emerged from this pandemic really into that. So yeah, no, I did I did hit a little bit of the, uh, the, the, the online uh, shopping, I, I would agree. <laughs> sure. You know, you, you love to see that sort of thing. And it's, it's I, I, I think I saw a TikTok where it's, you know, constant, constant depression, and then a package arrives, and you're happy for 30 <laughs> seconds, and then constant, constant depression, um, which should tell you a little bit about my TikTok consumption. <laughs> but what the, what, the, what the retail report will do, what our commerce report will do is investigate consumer trust. Again, trust is a big thing for Morning Consult. We keep putting out these deep dives into different industries. But consumer trust in terms of online shopping. So the pandemic forced a lot of us online to get the goods that we needed. And maybe in your case, the goods that you didn't need. A lot of those. Um, <laughs> a lot of those. <laughs> and so, you know, I think that there's a certain demographic that was always used to shopping online. But, you know, millions of others were not. They were forced to download grocery apps or, or order things that they normally would have picked up at a brick and mortar store. And so now that those habits have been somewhat formed, and now that things are opening back up again, what happens to those habits? Did they build enough trust with this online supplier that that's going to be the norm moving forward for them? Those are kind of the questions I want to answer. Um, I think it'll be really interesting with the back to school season. Do people you know, want to head to Target and get in line and do their back to school shopping in person? Or had those habits been formed to the extent that you're sitting on the couch, you know, looking at your phone, boop, 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 done. Online school shopping, done. <laughs> yeah, it, it is really going to be like, I think that one thing that I've enjoyed a lot about your coverage is that it has been a big question about what is going to endure from this in a way that, mm -hmm. you know, long, like a lot of changes were made with regards to how people work, how people commute, how people travel, how people do that. And some of them seemed extremely temporary and extremely desirable to remain temporary. Um, but mm -hmm. a lot of them just seem sticky and it's going to be really interesting to see how this happens. And, and again, like I'm just very grateful that you guys have been kind of running these recurring trackers. Cause I think that they are just such a cool little, uh, you know, scientific component and uh, yeah, fun stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Have to look to the past, look to the future. So yeah. Well, great. Um, so where can people find the report? Where can folks find you? Uh, MorningConsult.com. Um, you will find the trust report on our homepage and you'll find our other kind of deep dives in financial services and see what else is to come the rest of the year. Um, and at MorningConsult on Twitter and, you know, got to pitch myself, Jay Piacenza on Twitter. I there tweet out lots of pictures of pasta. Lots of pictures <laughs> of pasta. <laughs> It's a lot. It's a lot of pasta. Hey, good stuff. <laughs> um, well, hey, thanks again for coming on. Again, this is just a real treat, and this is a very, very cool report that uh, I'm really, really happy that y'all put together. So thanks. Always good to talk to you all. 
Thank you so much to Joanna for coming on. Thank you to JT Fails for the use of our theme song. Uh, be sure to check out Numlock the newsletter if you have not had a chance to do so. Uh, if you like this, feel free to leave a comment or rate. Those are, you know, cool things that the Apple Corporation holds in high esteem, apparently. But hey, thank you very much for listening. Thanks for Joanna for coming on. And do check out Morning Concept. Bye.